0: You know, I sort of had at the very beginning of when I had started practicing, I sort of thought of meditation as just being this thing that I did on the cushion, which I now know is a, a mistaken view. Like meditation can happen anywhere, anytime, whether you're active or not. But at that time, I had very much thought of it as just a sitting practice.
1: meditated and it's just, it feels really good to be back, especially after the really amazing interview that I had with Stephanie on this week's episode. Um, I know you guys are going to love it. I loved it. It gave me so much energy just to talk to her. She's like, she's seriously incredible. You're going to love her. But before we get into that, I actually wanted to make a couple announcements about the podcast. And the first one was that one of my goals for September was to open up a space for people to start collaborating more and asking questions or just starting conversations with each other about anything spiritual, like anything related to Reiki, meditation, yoga, any questions for our guests that we you've had about the podcast episodes, any questions you have for me, or just like, honestly, I don't care, like, go share a meme on this space, Okay. So I created this closed Facebook group for podcast listeners, guests, and whoever else um, is interested in joining in this community. So the group is secret, as in like your regular Facebook friends can't see you unless they are also in the group. Like they can't see the content that's posted. They can't see that you're a member of it unless they are also in the group. And so this can be joined via, like, personal invite from me. So if you if you can't find it and you need me to, like, send you a, a quick invite for it, uh, let me know. Uh, my full name is Danny Nadu on Facebook. and Or you can just send me a message on my Instagram or my email, whatever you want. The other way to join is just search Highly Meditated Podcast Facebook group. And it should come up, but I will link the URL in the show notes just in case you can't find it. So... That's one thing that I wanted to talk about. And the other thing that I wanted to start doing before the podcast episodes is honestly sharing a message or a review that I got. And this is for two reasons. The first reason this like fuels my fire when I get these messages and I'm just sitting at work at my corporate job and You know my days just i'm just like working that eight to five and then all of a sudden i get like a notification of some kind that somebody left a new review on my podcast or they sent me a message about how inspirational it is and when i get these messages it just it seriously fuels my fire so much and it makes me want to just keep going and the other reason i want to share these messages is because it helps other people find the like the extra oomph that they need to leave a review or to leave a rating and therefore more people can find it. So the, the biggest way that you can help support this podcast is honestly like leave a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen. And even bigger thing is to write a review because that's how like the or that's what helps it show up in searches when people search for related content and it just it gives the podcast a lot of credibility. I seriously am so grateful and blown away already by how many listeners I have and how awesome you guys have been at like reaching out to me about questions and reviews and whatnot. So please, please keep it up. And with that being said, before I introduce our podcast guests for this week's episode, I am going to read you a message that I got from an old friend who I didn't know was listening to my podcast. And it was just like a random text message at work at like eight o'clock in the morning that I got and it totally just made my day. Hey, Danny. (laughs) Been hanging out with you and your guests on your podcast. It's awesome that you're starting these conversations in a manner that is approachable for anyone looking to seek connection to themselves and others. Halfway through your last episode now here at work, I have experienced what you're doing and applying it to my own life. I'm sending you love and positivity as you continue to follow your path and speak your truth. It's truly powerful and inspiring. Also, I feel like I'm just hanging out, BSing, and chatting about things larger than ourselves. So thank you to my friend who sent me that sweet text when I was at work. It seriously made my day. And now I would like to introduce you all to Stephanie Wagner. So Stephanie is somebody that I found online actually. And I found her at a time where I was really seeking somebody that could give you all a more grounded approach to what meditation is and how you can use it in your everyday life because, you know, I'm a very intuitive and spiritual person and so my meditations typically incorporate, you know, connections to the other side or or energy work or, you know, a lot of like intense spirituality things that a lot of people aren't necessarily seeking and there's so many different kinds of meditation but, you know, Stephanie, is really passionate about mindfulness and applying it in your everyday life in a more grounded approach than what I typically talk about on the show. As you will hear in this episode, she was a fantastic person to talk about meditation and all the kinds of of different types there are and the teachers that you can find and the way you can apply it in your everyday life. So that being said, to give you guys a little bit of background on Stephanie, she she does this for a living. It's really inspiring to meet somebody that is kind of doing like this this health and wellness and meditation and mindfulness thing that is so it's I mean she's helping people every day. So she is an accredited health and wellness coach and so she teaches as part of her coaching program, she teaches mindfulness and meditation. She's also a group fitness instructor and a health educator. She she came to this path through her own journey And, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but she talks about this in the podcast and it really like meditation and wellness totally evolved her life. And she just became very passionate about it and passionate about bringing it to other people. So that's all I'm going to say for now. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome back to Highly Meditated. I am your host, Danny, and today I'm joined by Stephanie Wagner. Danny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be here with you today. It is. It really is. Are you feeling highly meditated? I ask all my guests that question when they come Yes, up. of course. I am feeling highly meditated. How about you? I think you're going to have to just have enough meditation <laughs> in for the both of us today, but you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> So I'm starting this episode back up after a little bit of a hiatus uh, during the month of August away from the podcast, and one of the things that I wanted to refocus on when I came back is topics that are of a lot of interest to the listener base, and funny enough, I have a podcast called Highly Meditated, so people want to hear more about meditation. Um, (laughs) Funny that works. (laughs) And I found you online, and I thought that you would be a really great guest to have on, so that's what we're going to chat about today. Wonderful. That's great. I'm super grateful. So thanks for having me on today. Yeah, of course. Do you just want to jump right in and start with how and why you started meditating personally? Sure. So I started meditating, I think it was around
0: 2004. And it really came about as a result of just a lot of my own personal suffering. I had Started a very stressful job four years prior where I had started traveling quite a bit and I was super stressed out. What I, what I found myself doing um, is I found myself in a place of addiction and it wouldn't be sort of the way that you would normally think of addiction, but I had developed a really unhealthy relationship with money and had developed quite a a shopping habit that had gotten me into a lot of trouble and I got myself into just a ton of debt that I was keeping secret. My husband actually had found out about how much money I had spent and put on the credit card and I really just had this moment where I really hit bottom and I realized that I was I was seeking happiness in places that were never going to provide it for me and As a result, what I ended up doing is I actually ended up going into a 12-step program called Debtors Anonymous, which really helps people in many ways with their relationship with money. And I was in Debtors Anonymous for about a year. And Debtors Anonymous never really resonated with me per se, but what I felt really grateful for around the program is that it helped me see that I was seeking happiness from outside of myself and was never satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, No matter how, you know, how many things I bought, and how many cute clothes I had, and having all the things was never really providing me a sense of peace, and happiness, vitality that I was really looking for. So I was really looking for
1: happiness in all the wrong places. Yeah, wow. That's incredible. And I think you worded that really well when you said that, You know, you kind of came to it through the lens of addiction, but it's not your classic like substance abuse. And I think that's a really important point. And it's a it's something that brings a lot of people to meditation, but it's like that external grabbing for things to help you like cover up what's going on inside of you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think many people do it unconsciously. It's like, you know, why are you eating the cupcake? Or why are you binge watching Netflix for 12 hours? I mean, there's always this thing of like going outside of ourselves to, to find happiness to find some sort of satisfaction. And it just always it always fails. And so what I what I did was I ended up you know, sort of wanting to actually test out meditation, because I had heard a lot about it, my mom had always been very sort of spiritually curious and had been a yogi and a meditator. And, and so I decided to check it out. And what I did was I went on my own exploration, and I visited a number of meditation centers where I live here in Minneapolis, and just went to see if any of the meditation centers resonated with me. And eventually, I landed on one that I felt like super connected to, they had a very robust and kind of vital social component to their to their community, as well as a lot of meditation offerings. And so it just it just really resonated. So I practiced there for, for quite some time. And the practice just, it really landed with me, I, it really resonated with me it was it was just such a cool thing to be able to explore these different types of meditation and these different meditation centers and just see what resonated.
1: Yeah, that's a really cool way to find it, I think. And it that offers a really good perspective too because I think that so many people they have this mindset about meditation that it um you know, it's good for you and so it should be a healthy habit, but it's something that you have to like work hard to maintain in your daily life. But it sounds like you found it like sort of in an exploratory and fun sense and just kept going with it. And now like 15 years later, here you are still with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point, which is that I mean, there are so many different, you know, types of meditation you know, I believe that they're they're pointing to the same thing, but how they're going about, you know, how they're going about the practice is different. And if you decide to really engage with a meditation community, you know, each meditation community is going to have a very different vibe and a very different flavor. And mm-hmm. so... Really find a place that resonates with you. And so for me at the time, like I realized I was incredibly lonely and I really wanted to connect with other people. And so that social component of being in community was really important to me at that time.
1: Yeah, that is so cool. So, how would you say that finding that community and developing that practice changed your life? Yeah,
0: I mean, I feel like, you know, meditation has changed everything for me. When I first started practicing, you know, not only was I coming to the practice with a lot of my own personal suffering and, and addiction, but I also had a lot of anxiety. And what I found through time is that through cultivating a consistent meditation practice, I no longer have that kind of chronic anxiety that I had when I first started, you know, I think many people sort of just come to understand anxiety as kind of like business as usual, and they have anxiety, like on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, I no longer have that I have situation specific anxiety, which I would say is just kind of normal, like if I have to give a big presentation where the stakes are really high, of course, I'm going to be anxious and nervous about that. And I have that. But in terms of like the day-to-day way, way that I relate with my life, I just don't have that kind of chronic anxiety that I did before. So that's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is I developed a uh, a new relationship with money, and I got myself out of debt. I don't have that chronic shopping problem that I did before. And I no longer engage in those behaviors in which I was, you know, going outside of myself to seek happiness and really have um, found myself really kind of more rooted in a sense of, of groundedness in my own, in my own mind and in my own body. So, I mean, I think that those are two, two significant things that have changed, but it really has had a ripple effect, I would say, into my entire life, into my career, into my friend network. And yeah, extending really beyond the original um, intended
1: result. Yeah, that's incredible. I um I w- I kind of want to go back to something that you said at first about anxiety because I've dealt with that a lot myself, and really only in maybe the last year or so have I had a consistent meditation practice. Well, in addition to that, I found a number of other things like Reiki, um, and energy work, and just like mindfulness in general, but. It is. It's like meditation almost allows you to like put this space in between you and your mind. And then it's like slowly over time, the chaos that causes the anxiety is it just dissipates like it gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, I I like that you said that
0: yeah i mean it's interesting because you know you think about what happens when we're overcome with an emotion like anxiety or like anger it's almost like we become the emotion and there's no space in our experience to sort of see what's happening and so what i found in my own meditation practice is through the practice of sitting and sort of watching your mind you can have a little bit of space in your experience so you're no longer fused with the emotion But you can see that the emotion is actually comprised of many different parts. You know, there's sort of that physical sensation, which we become overcome with. There's oftentimes like a narrative, almost like an audio playing in your mind. Some people see sort of pictures, almost like a movie playing. And so you can begin to see like that this what once seemed like this big, solid thing this big solid emotion actually is comprised of all of these parts. And when you see all of these parts, it it almost breaks up the experience, almost like shaving foam. So my, I study with a meditation teacher named Mingyu Rinpoche. So this wisdom doesn't come from me, this comes from him. And um, he teaches this, this practice of being able to see these different parts of the emotion and, and you see that there's space within it. And when you see space, there's an opportunity for you to respond differently, to respond more skillfully, but it definitely takes practice and time.
1: Mm, yeah, that's a really, really great point. Yeah, yeah. I know that you Well, So in addition to your meditation and mindfulness teaching, you are a wellness coach. And I kind of want to touch on how like meditation in general fits into your wellness and, and how you define that and how it can fit into everybody else's.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite topics, of course. So, yes, I got my um, my master's degree in integrative health and well-being coaching from the University of Minnesota. And what I love so much about um, that program and their view of wellness is that wellness goes beyond the physical body. So I think, you know, so many people think about health as being, you know, how how is my body? Am I sick or am I healthy? You know, how's my weight? And Mm -hmm. i hold the view, uh, a sort of an expanded view of of wellness, which is that, you know, wellness is comprised of multiple dimensions, including, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and in, and including physical well-being and wellness. And so meditation has played a huge part in, in, in many of these areas for me. So, of course, I, I have found great spiritual meaning in uh, becoming a Tibetan Buddhist. So I, I practice Tibetan Buddhism. And so that's a really important part of my life. But I also actually used my practice, my meditation practice, to help me in my own wellness journey in my own body. So when, when you rewind back to that time in my life in 2004, when I had so much suffering, I was really heavy. I had been traveling, as I mentioned previously, and throughout my travels, I had gained a lot of weight, I gained like 30 pounds. The first year that I was traveling, and I just continued to gain weight, um, up until I weighed over 200 pounds. And so there was a point in which I sort of realized that my spiritual practice and my, my meditation wasn't really being reflected in the way that I was treating my physical body. And so I decided to explore using my practice really directly related to my energy. And you know, I sort of had at the very beginning of when I had started practicing, I sort of thought of meditation as just being this thing that I did on the cushion, which I now know is a, a mistaken view. Like meditation can happen anywhere, anytime, whether you're active or not, but at that time I had very much thought of it as just a sitting practice. And so I began to just use awareness to explore starting to exercise and really looking at like the foods that I was eating. And paying attention to the way that I felt energetically and emotionally as a result of moving differently and eating differently. And what was just like super interesting about that process is when I started listening to the wisdom of my body and really tuning into what was happening and orienting myself to the activities and the things that made me feel awesome. I naturally started losing weight. And so over the course of about nine months, I lost like 80 pounds and it was never coming from a place of like me saying, I want to lose X amount of weight. Like I didn't really ever have a goal in mind other than just to like pay attention to when I felt the best. Mm. And, and just as a result of paying attention to that, the, the weight just naturally started falling off. That's incredible.
1: I, I really like the fact that you brought up awareness, um, around the exercises that you were doing, like the physical exercise, because that's something that I personally have noticed recently. And I don't know what it really is. Maybe just a in general, an increase in my consciousness, but it, I've been paying so much attention to how differently I feel after doing different kinds of workouts. Like for me, I've, I've determined that mentally I am so much happier and more clear in my mind after a cardio workout compared to like a weightlifting workout or even a walk. I think that is going to just continue to evolve for me. And it's, I mean, it's totally going to change the way I think about exercise because in the past cardio for me has been one of the kinds of exercise that I don't like. Now that I am understanding that it's mental benefits are, just as good as its physical benefits is I like lean towards that when I have a half an hour to work out, I lean towards doing cardio instead of anything else now. Yeah. I mean, I love, I
0: love that you're, you know, you're listening to your body and part of, you know, what I've realized is when you, or training your mind on the cushion through meditation, and you do that consistently, it eventually, regardless of whether you really are trying or not, ends up trickling into like your daily activities where you start like noticing things that maybe you didn't notice before, like, Oh, my gosh, how do I feel after I eat this bowl of ice cream? Or how do I feel after I do my cardio workout? It's like you just start tuning in really differently than than you did previously. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the side effects I feel like of just having a regular sitting practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Can you tell us how, or at what point you felt the desire to start bringing this sort of practice and coaching into the lives of other people? So I've had a teaching background pretty much my whole adult life. I was a
0: music teacher in my twenties And then in my corporate job, I worked in training and development. And so I was teaching that whole time. So I've always just had this like sort of natural passion for bringing new information to other people. But very quickly within my own meditation journey, I would say within a couple of years, I just, I was feeling such an impact in my own life, that I just wanted to bring it forth to as many people as possible. And so I went through Uh, a sort of version of a teacher training with my previous meditation community. And that was like super helpful for me because, you know, teaching meditation and leading meditation practice is just a very different skill than teaching someone how to play the flute, for example, which is what I had been doing previously. Mm -hmm. And, And then just gradually continuing to see that as I was bringing forth these practices to other people, you know, a little bit at a time, like people, were enthusiastic and were finding benefit and I just had made a commitment to myself but I just wanted to make it as available to as many people as possible and just put myself out there to be able to lead and guide practice whenever it was was asked of me and so I had started doing it with my meditation community. And then in my corporate job, I uh, started a practice group there and and led meditation there for a a long time. And that was super helpful because I think, you know, bringing these practices into a a very busy work, stressful work environment is, is helpful and totally, yeah. And just continued to in my own, you know, my new, my current meditation community, and even in my new professional life, um, I have a, a new job that I took in this last year. Like I just, it's, it's sort of my life's work now. And I'm just so excited to be able to connect people to the practice in whatever way resonates with them.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now that you say that you totally seem like a natural born teacher. <laughs> oh. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I, I love teaching all the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you were teaching in the corporate setting, do you think that was received well? Yeah. You know, when I was teaching in the corporate
0: setting, I had a, a small but sturdy crew of people that would show up regularly and were, were really receptive to the practice and really enjoyed it and found it to be a benefit to them. I think, you know, in order for practice to take hold in a, in a corporate environment, I think that it needs to be done a certain way and I found that in my particular work environment there was a a practice that I leaned on uh, more regularly when I was guiding practice which is a a body scan sort of a body awareness slash body relaxation practice Mm. and people responded really really well to that and it was just through some experimentation on my own part to just figure out what resonated the best with people but that was sort of where where people felt I think the most the most plugged in and receptive
1: yeah that is so cool I wish my company had that <laughs> I would be yeah. all about it maybe I should start yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean it's such it's such a gift to even work to at that time have
0: worked for a company that was even open to letting their employees you know practice it was it was a really great opportunity
1: mm-hmm So is that what you're doing currently with Healthy Minds, or can you talk about Healthy Minds for a minute? Sure. Um, So I
0: work for a nonprofit called Healthy Minds Innovations. They are affiliated with the Center for Healthy Minds, which is out of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And the nonprofit that I work for is founded by a very uh, world-renowned neuroscientist named Richard Davidson, who is sort of seen to have been the founder of contemplative neuroscience so he's done a lot of research on understanding the benefits of contemplative practice on the brain and on well-being and so this this wellness program that we have is really rooted in training the mind in four different qualities which are awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. And we have a program that includes an app as well as out-of-app content where people are introduced to these practices to train their minds in these qualities that are known to have benefits for, for flourishing and for and for well-being. So I am a trainer and a program specialist for them. So I, I train webinars and workshops. I also do content development and just have really have had the good fortune of being able to work around these practices that have just made such a difference in my own life and being able to bring them forth to organizations like healthcare and education and corporate settings. Uh, any, any, any business, any, any setting that really wants to bring in this wellbeing program, I, um, I get the good fortune of being able to work with these these organizations.
1: Mm, that is so cool, and that's your full time job, correct? Yeah, it's my full time job. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> I, I
0: took the leap and I left my corporate job a year, almost a year ago, actually, and just took the leap of making way less money and having way less stress. And as a result, I've just found a really infinite happiness out of working from a place of, of passion and meaning in my life. It's made a huge mm
1: that's so cool and I think that's kind of a hot topic right now too finding a passion and then being able to like transform your your career into it but it's always a good reminder Make sure that you have that established before you quit your day job.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it, was, it was super interesting because I had made the decision that I, when I graduated with my master's from the U in May of 2018, I had made the decision that I wanted to work in the wellness, health and wellness space. And I had started journaling around sort of setting an intention of the things that I wanted in my life, like as a result of finding a new job and what was interesting is I was just on meditation retreat and I was looking back at this journal entry about all of the things that I wanted out of my new career and interestingly enough like I've manifested every single thing that was on that list no
1: way (laughs) no I'm
0: curious it it was like really it was really powerful I was like wow I was
1: smart back then that, (laughs) that is amazing I love that
0: yeah it was super super cool. So I think there is something to be said about really getting clear about what you're wanting to do in your life, like the conditions that you're wanting to have. So for me it wasn't even so much as like what job do I want? It was more like what are the things that I want to have in my life? And so, you know, I I wanted to have a stable income, I wanted health insurance, I wanted to work in the meditation space, I wanted to have flexibility to be able to teach group fitness. And so it was like all of these things and As a result, here I am. And I've got all of those, those things that I wanted out of my, out of my intention. Voila. Yeah. The universe delivered.
1: And now you're on a podcast called highly meditated. I know. And I'm super grateful to be here. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. That's a really inspirational story. Thanks. So as part of your work, I know you teach specifically the meditation type that is for taming the mind. Are there other types that you teach as well? Or can you give us a description of maybe like the most useful one to you?
0: I would say that the essence of meditation is awareness.
1: And
0: there are many different practices that really can help us see qualities that already exist within us. So I teach practices that help people to recognize awareness. So awareness, I would say, is sort of that, that quality of the mind that knows. And so I teach practices that help you recognize this, this innate quality of awareness. And there are things like, you know, breath meditation, and uh, really working with any of the senses, thoughts and emotions. So there's so many different techniques that actually help you recognize this this quality of awareness. And so that's sort of one um, contingent of practices. And there are other qualities that are innate within us as well, um, including, you know, love, loving kindness, compassion. And so, you know, working with those practices and helping people see those qualities within us, uh, those qualities of love and kindness. So that sort of desire, that motivation to have happiness and compassion, which is that motivation, and that desire to be free from suffering. And so helping really people see these innate qualities that exist within themselves. And so many traditions call it different things, you could call it, you could call it your true nature, Buddhists might call it Buddha nature, you might call it innate well being, but it's really these qualities that exist within us. It's just that we don't see them Mm-hmm. And um, so many of the practices that I that I bring into, into the world are really rooted in helping people recognize these qualities of awareness, loving kindness, compassion, and and even wisdom. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I love the concept of the Buddha nature. That's something that I've that's come to my attention recently, in the last couple of months or so. And it really started after I attended a traditional Tibetan Buddhist meditation retreat that was focusing on breath. And then we did a little bit of uh, practice around what I think is called Tang Long. Oh, Tang Yeah. Tang Yeah, that's it. But so after I did this retreat, which was very difficult for me, by the way, because I usually meditate in a spiritual sense. And that's why I wanted to have somebody like you on the show is because a lot of my meditations are getting messages from the other side because I'm really intuitive or, like trying to talk to my guides or kind of like seeking answers or trying to release energy from certain areas of my body or I do chakra meditations but I went to this this traditional meditation that is more of a taming the mind and unlocking the heart and after that I just realized that like I couldn't stop smiling at every person that I saw Mm -hmm. and I didn't used to be the kind of person that like smiled first at strangers like every single person that I was passing I like I just felt like smiling at them. And that's the definition of Buddha nature, I think. I read that in a book like I don't know, a few weeks after I've experienced this. And it's just this this huge factor that I realize has always been in me, but I've just I've just unlocked it now.
0: Oh, that's so that's so wonderful. Yeah, I mean, one of the pieces of wisdom that we can encounter after we do meditation practice is that we see that we're not separate from others, but we're all deeply interconnected. And we can see that, you know, the qualities that we have within ourselves of wanting happiness and freedom from suffering, like everybody shares that everybody shares that wish. And so when you begin to sort of see that commonality you you see the world differently. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's that's neat to hear your experience.
1: Yeah, totally. So could you tell us how, like if you were to sit down yourself and or even go back to when you were a beginner, can you talk about some of the methods that were most helpful for you first starting out?
0: Yeah, I think for me, um, the tradition that I was practicing in taught breath meditation first. So really just this practice of bringing your awareness to your breath. And it can be in a couple of different ways. You know, sometimes it might just be that you recognize the breath going in and out of your nose and that feeling, it might be the sensation of your belly as it rises and falls. You can also, you know, do things like count the breath, but there, so there are different ways to get in contact with that. So the first Practice that I learned was breath. But what I did find actually for myself is that I had a really hard time with breath meditation and was so grateful when I learned other practices because I found for myself, as being like a highly anxious person, that the breath for me was really tied to triggering anxiety. And so when I would bring awareness to the breath, I actually found that I got very anxious. And so I eventually learned other practices, you know, you can really use any of the sense doors for meditation. Like I love working with like sound and listening to sounds in the environment, Mm -hmm. you know, working with form. So looking at something in front of you, I mean, really anything in your life can be used as the opportunity to, you know, to recognize awareness and to wake up. And so I would say that when I when the, the world of the senses was opened up to me beyond meditating on the breath, that's where I found just a, a real resonance. And, and the truth is, is that we're all different. We're all unique individuals. And we're all going to have a different preference of what resonates with us for practice. And so if you find that you're struggling with one thing, like for me, struggling with the breath, like don't beat yourself up about that, like try something else, seek out another method that resonates with you and work with that. So I think, you know, my first my first thing would be, don't, if it doesn't work the first time, you may want to try something different and work with that thing that resonates with you for a while. So for me, that was sound. And then eventually begin to explore other things. And so now that I've trained my mind, you know, for some time I can certainly work with the breath and I do use it as a part of my practice, and I think that that was only developed because the, the world of these different sort of meditation tools in my toolbox was opened up to me through my, through my teacher, Mingyu Rinpoche. That's a, I like that word that you just used, toolbox. Yeah. Because oh, so totally. that's kind of what it is. <laughs> it totally is. I mean, the whole, the whole purpose of meditating on the cushion is so that you can really like wake up in your daily life. And there are so many different things that we're going to have in our lives that are going to provide us that opportunity to wake up and even things like difficult emotions, even our anxiety, that thing that we might hate actually can provide us a lot of fuel for for being able to be present with our experience as it is.
1: Mm -hmm. Are you just out of curiosity? Are you an Eckhart Tolle fan at all? You know what? I have never read any Eckhart Tolle, but I, I hear great things about him. So are yeah, you? I just, I'm so into one of his books right now, A New Earth, which is not a new book by any means. But I mean, he talks about how like there's a lot of doors into opening up your consciousness. Yeah. And once you learn that like some of the wisest and most enlightened people on earth have had the the biggest hardships and the, the worst emotional pain bodies, they've just, they've broken through all of it and become so wise and enlightened. And sometimes those are the doors that get us there. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just like, so into his book right now. I've been.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. When you resonate with a teacher and, can dive deeply into that I think that there's great transformation that can happen as a result of that and that's and that's the way that I feel about my teacher and Pache I mean I was first introduced to him I went to one of his workshops when he was in Minneapolis but then subsequently read his book on joy of living and just was opened up to like a whole new world of being able to use things like thoughts and emotions as support for meditation. Like I would have never thought of that previously. And that, that's really transformed my, my working in difficult situations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a really excellent teacher. My, um, the, the monk that put on the Tibetan Buddhist retreat that I went to, he was his teacher as well. So oh, we talked a lot about his work and, and the joy of living was mentioned a couple times as well. Oh, great.
0: I, do you remember the name of who you who you went on retreat with? Lama Yesh.
1: Ah, oh, okay, yeah, great. Do you know who that is? I do. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. just a yes small retreat in the middle of Wisconsin, and that's where he practices actually and and lives. And he his retreat center is in Ridgeland, Wisconsin, which is I don't know population five hundred maybe. But he was really great. Yeah, he's been on retreat with me before. That's wonderful. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Small
0: world. Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How did you find... Oh, yeah, Mingyur
0: Rinpoche. Um, So I had practiced with um, Shambhala meditation community for several years. And there was just something about the community that, like, wasn't really resonating with me. And I had um, befriended somebody in Minneapolis who started studying with Mingyur Rinpoche. And he recommended that I go and see him when he was in Minneapolis. And so my husband and I had gone to see... um, Mingarin Rinpoche when he was here that first time and just really I I literally like fell in love but like not in the romantic sense it was like I really fell in love with just such a a clear energized friendly funny teaching style that just struck my heart and allowed me to receive the teachings in a way that I just was not able to receive them before.
1: Mm. At the retreat with Lama Yesh he he started to encourage all of us to like if we wanted to continue down this path to find a teacher and i don't think that you need to have a teacher to reap all the benefits of meditation and but i that's that's just me because i come from a mindset of like taking a bit of what i can from every method that i learn and i'm just wondering your thoughts on that about like the importance of finding a teacher you know i think a teacher
0: is helpful um, super helpful because what they do is they provide you like the roadmap on the path to awakening. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, imagine that you were in a forest and you're like trying to find your way to your destination and you have like no idea where you're going. And you're like trying to get through all this foliage and you're being attacked by wild animals. And you don't know what to do. You don't have your tools. You don't have your gear versus having there be someone who's given you a map and has explained to you the things that you might see along the way, the ways to overcome those obstacles and really direction in pointing you to where you're going. So mm. a sure gives you direction. He, they, they, he or she has uh, wisdom from uh, a whole host of um, people prior to them that have lived and really practiced these teachings in a profound way because they've received teachings from their teacher and their teachings have received teachings from their teacher. And so it's really trickled down. And so there's just so much wisdom of w- what we call the lineage of, of beings who have, do- who have done this work prior to us. To help us on the path to awakening, and I think I would, I personally would rather have a map and support from someone who's done the work and who who knows where they're going, versus me struggling in the forest by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that explanation. And it doesn't just need to be one one teacher. I mean, you could you can find wisdom and resonance from many different teachers, and you know, take what resonates with you from from their from their wisdom and, and discard what doesn't, what doesn't resonate Mm -hmm. and really investigate for your own experience. Right. I mean, the whole point is to take what you're learning, but then to bring it into your own practice and see how that lands. Like,
1: is this my experience? Is this not my experience and really test it out for yourself? Yeah, totally. The one thing that's helped me, well, I shouldn't even say that it's helped me because it wasn't intentional, but The one thing that I've noticed is the best teachers that I have, I have, you know, I have a spiritual teacher and then I have a Reiki master teacher that I got my training from and I'm signed up to get my master from. And it's like, these, these are the people that came into my life and I don't know how, but I just like, I knew as soon as I met them that I had to like absorb everything that I possibly could from them. And it was just like, I, I think when you meet a teacher like that, that's right for you. You just know. Yeah.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And I, and I had that same experience when I met Mingyur Rinpoche and even his brother, Sony Rinpoche, um, just really feeling like a deep connection and resonance with the, with the way that they taught these, these practices and, and, and their, their wisdom, the, the wisdom of lineage. It was just, it was amazing. So something really important to listen to.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, would you like to, Be a teacher for some of our listeners now? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. Um, I'd love to. So, in a previous conversation, you and I had talked about some of the questions that I've been getting about meditation. Um, And I kind of just honestly want to list off a few of the most common ones that I had. I mean, these are questions that came from the listener base, but I think they're all like really valid questions that anybody who starts meditating has at some point. The first one being, How can I deal with the difficulty of racing thoughts during meditation and feeling like they're the enemy? Yeah, that's such a, that's such a common question.
0: Well, I think what I would say is that people oftentimes come to meditation with a mistaken view of what to expect. And I think that this has largely been perpetuated by meditation in the media And people believing that, you know, successful meditation is only when I have a state of complete calm and non-thought. And that just is not the case. Mm -hmm. The the truth is, is that the mind is going to do its thing. It's going to think. And if we believe that thoughts are the enemy, that's where we set ourselves up for a lot of disappointment and suffering in our practice. Whereas if we understand that the thoughts are going to happen and it's sort of our relationship to them that changes through meditation then we can start seeing that that thoughts are not a problem. They're just like a natural part of the process. And in fact, what happens for beginning meditators is that they may think that they've got more thoughts than they had previously. And this is what my teacher refers to as the waterfall experience. So like when you start practicing, you'll see all of these thoughts and all of these experiences coming through your mind. And you can almost feel like overwhelmed by them. But the truth is, is that that cascade of experience has been happening all the time. It's just that you haven't been aware of it. Mm-hmm. And so, through meditation, you begin to see that the that these thoughts are happening. And so I would say it's, it's about reframing your um, definition of what even meditation is. So meditation is not a state of creating non thought. It's not a state of bliss. It's about being present with things as they are, and and recognizing and accepting um, what's happening in your experience. Thoughts are okay. Emotions are okay. It's just recognizing what's happening with awareness.
1: Mm hmm. That's a really good way to say it. It reminded me of this book that I read once, The Untethered Soul. And he talks about the inner voice of your mind as sort of an internal roommate. And the fact that you can't just keep listening to it and doing everything that it tells you to do, because at some point, it'll just drive you insane. So it's this, this concept of like taking the roommate in your, which is, you know, the voice in your head, and taking it and putting it outside of you giving it a costume, like giving it a you know, imagining it as something and then like thinking about what it's saying to you rather than listening to it and thinking that it is you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my meditation teacher talks about that in in terms of monkey mind. Like we, we have this relationship with the monkey mind where we either like believe the stories it's telling us, or we are so resistant to what's happening so it's either sort of this like yes sir or yes ma'am um, to the to the to the monkey mind or it's this hey get out and so when you develop this relationship it's it's really challenging. Um, so you you put that so beautifully.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really great book for not necessarily like meditation but just like detaching yourself from the voice in your head. I guess is the untethered soul. Yeah yeah cool. So that being said, like one of the reasons people start meditating is because they're seeking this like inner peace within themselves or, you know, this, this desire to have the mind quieted. Mm -hmm. And so another question that I got was after meditating and, you know, starting to like calm my mind down and feeling more peace. How do I carry that with me throughout the day when I have to go to work and my coworkers are hollering at me and my boss tells me to do something I don't want to do. Do you have any tips for that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes
0: back to that like expectation of practice. So if we are always expecting that our practice is going to help us be peaceful and calm, again, we're setting ourselves up for a lot of frustration, because the truth is, is that practice is filled with ups and downs, there will be times where our mind is really agitated. And our energy is really like, Sort of high, and there will be times when we're like really drowsy and sleepy. So, I would say that um, rather than focusing on like trying to carry like a meditative experience, like peace, throughout your day, like set the intention to just be present and aware for as much of your day as possible. Knowing that when there's when there's awareness, there's wisdom to be able to respond differently to your coworkers who are driving you crazy. And what I found in my own experience is that, you know, through consistent practice, through time, it will have an impact. It's almost like you can think about your meditation as being like drops in a bucket. You know, each, each time you practice, it's putting like a little drop in that bucket, where, you know, you may not notice from session to session, like, you know, a sense of inner peace or calm consistently, but that through time, that bucket becomes filled. And there's like sort of a, uh, almost an equanimity or a, a, more of a acceptance or ease within your experience that you maybe didn't have when you first started practicing. So that's just speaking from my own personal experience. So I think set the intention differently to be present and aware versus um, trying to achieve a state of peace, which is inevitably impermanent and fleeting, mm-hmm. and not always there. And to yeah, just to practice consistently, knowing that the, over the long term it will have an overall impact on your well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very well put. There was one question that I did get just around cultivating a daily practice and that, you know, people oftentimes have difficulty really with any habit change. And so I guess we'll just speak to that. The, there are a couple of things in terms of developing a daily practice that I would recommend. I mean, the first thing is to start, start reasonable, you know, so start trying to achieve consistency rather than length. And if that means just practicing five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, go for that versus trying to do like half an hour or two an hour a day. And mm-hmm. so setting your your practice goal realistically based on the amount of time that you have available. I think the other thing that I would say is to try and also practice at a time of day that feels the most reasonable for you. So what I know about myself is that if I wait until the afternoon to practice my formal sitting practice, I will never do it. Like I have to do it first thing when I wake up, because it's just the way that I am. I know that like in the afternoon, things get in the way, I'm super sleepy. Whereas like in the morning, I'm like more energized, I'm I feel better, I just am more likely to do it. So also looking at your own personal constitution and your energy and sort of the schedule of your day to see like what circumstances are the most conducive to me being able to practice consistently and and to just have that be the time of day that you practice and and strive to set yourself up to practice that length of time every day. And I think the other thing the third thing that I would say is to set a set up a calendar invite with yourself, like almost like setting up a meeting in your in your calendar to practice and almost like you've got a business meeting, you've got a you've got a you've got a business meeting with your mind where you're going to make sure that you follow through with your intention to practice at that time. So even just formalizing it in your schedule can be super helpful as well.
1: Yeah, that is a really cool idea. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, but and I use sometimes I use the app, um, insight timer, either to listen to nature sounds or just to have a timer in general. Yeah. And It'll tell you how many consecutive days you've been meditating and whatnot, but I've never like made a point to make sure that I do this at this time every day. I mean, I'll set a schedule of like waking up 15 minutes earlier to make sure that I get it done or like setting some other sort of time away, but it's never been like a formal thing to keep me held accountable. So I think that's a really good idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that there, yes. And I love that you mentioned the insight timer. I mean, there's so many different tools out there that can help support you. I mean, for me, like I'm really driven by the streak on insight timer. So it's like pretty much, you know, it'd have to be a big deal for something to get in the way of me, of me doing my streak, but I'm just, I'm I'm driven that way. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different tools out there these days, so many apps and timers and guided practices and so many resources out there to help support your practice I say just tap into those tools that yeah. you of that work for you
1: totally awesome well thank you for those yeah so there's something that you have going on that I would like to hear more about and it's yeah. uh, it's taking place in Nepal in yeah. 2020
0: <laughs> can you tell us about it I'm super super excited I am uh, co-leading a trip to Nepal to explore wellness in the Himalayan tradition um, in partnership with a company called Sacred Path. They are a conscious travel company. And I am just absolutely thrilled to be sort of the the wellness expert on this trip and this trip is going to allow participants to dive deeply into an experience of wellness in the Himalayan tradition where we're going to do things like explore food. So looking at um, a, a Nepali farm and being able to learn how to cook Nepali cuisine. We're going to explore spirituality by going to different Buddhist and Hindu sites. We're going to explore medicine by receiving Tibetan medicine consultations and education to understand sort of that healing tradition. And so it really is a very different, very educational and experiential tour of a a different place. So really looking at a more expanded view of wellness. And so I'm just... I'm super excited. I'm also um, partnering with a company called Nomad Botanicals. They're an artisanal aromatherapy company based out of San Francisco. And so they're creating some aroma blends for this trip to Nepal that each participant is going to receive. And so each day when we're on the trip, I'm going to be leading the participants through a series of wellness rituals that incorporate... Uh, mudra and meditation and mindful movement and aroma really rooted and inspired in the Himalayan tradition. So I'm super, super excited. That's happening in October of 2020.
1: Yes, that looks so amazing. I've totally been creeping it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <No> way, <laughs> Seriously, it's like right over. up my alley, but we'll see. Yeah,
0: yeah. So sacred path.org, you can find out the information. it's The trip's called The Journey into Himalayan Wellness.
1: Awesome. How else can people connect with you?
0: Yeah, so um, I would say check out my website, innerfirehealthcoach.com. You can find out a little bit about my background and my offerings. I do health coaching, really rooted in mindfulness-based behavior change. So really working with people to understand their own experience and the triggers and habits that drive them and really trying to help identify what's getting in the way of people flourishing in their lives and adopting new healthy habits. And I also am on Instagram, you can find me Stephanie Wagner underscore health coach, I try and post educational and inspirational content. I know that's how you and I um, got connected. So you have a little, you know, insight into my Instagram. I do, it's fun. (laughs) So I would say that those are the primary, the primary ways to find me. If you're interested in Healthy Minds Innovations, you can check out hminnovations.org. You can find out what we have going on and get exposure to our app, which is launching in October. And yeah, I would love to just you know to contact and reach out to as many people in your audience as possible. So find me
1: and connect. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome! Thank you so much for coming on, Stephanie. I will be linking all of the information that you just mentioned as well as any other plugs that we had throughout the podcast in the show notes so heads up on that and then another thing I wanted to mention is that Stephanie has volunteered to do sort of a guided meditation that I will be releasing as a mini-sode separately from this episode so stay tuned for that